This morning's reading is from Exodus 40, verses 34 to 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all of the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out, until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. This is the word of the Lord. So I wonder how you begin your day. I wonder how you set your mind and your heart on what the day has in store. And I was thinking about this and thinking about a time I can remember in my life when I wasn't in a great place. And what I used to do was the moment I woke up, I would mentally scan the day for the things that made me anxious, the things that I was worried about. And then I remember another time in life, which was more in my mid-30s, where I wasn't in such an anxious place. And I would wake up and the first thing I would do would be mentally scanning for what I was grateful for. And at the moment, I was thinking, what do I do now? And so when when I wake up at the moment, Adrian, my husband and I, we try and make sure we have some time for meditation and prayer first thing. And um, invariably for me, that looks like sitting, making my to-do list and mentally scanning for all the tasks of my day. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. So I wonder how you set your mind and you set your heart on what the day has in store. Hold that thought and we'll come back to it in a minute. So this morning we've got the final, um, the final talk in our series of the Israelites in the wilderness and their travels through the desert. We've looked at um, their early journey from Egypt to the oasis to the waters of Elam We've looked at their covenant, the nature of their agreement with God, and the importance of that covenant of being salt. And here we find them on the one-year anniversary of having left Egypt. So they've been wandering in the desert for a year so far. The wilderness journey, uh, the wilderness experience of the Israelites, is a story of a people and their relationship with God. It's about their hope their anticipation of the promised land flowing with milk and honey. It's about the anticipation. It's about their obedience. But it's also about their disobedience. It's about their doubt. It's about their their concern and their wobbling. It's about trying to make their own path and failing to do so. It's also a story about God, God's power, God's forgiveness, God's anger, And in this passage today about God's glory, as Liz has already been saying. And so this is full of like the whole rainbow of human experience, this story of the Israelites in the desert. And it's wonderful because because it's a rainbow, there's so much in there for us to connect to in terms of our experience as well. So what I'd like us to do, first of all, is look at the story and just kind of go through the story in a bit of detail. And as you're listening to the story, see if you can pick out 
kind of the timeless principles that run like golden threads from their story to our story. So as you're listening to me talk about the story, see if you can see the things that pop out at you. And then I'll tell you what I noticed, that I thought those threads were. And you can compare the two. And if you noticed anything that I didn't notice, you can tell me afterwards. That would be interesting. So we're looking at the final paragraphs of the book of Exodus. And I think it's really interesting. I'm always curious about how books in the Bible begin and how they end. I think it's really interesting to see what the authors are choosing to do in the way they start and they finish. And I think in life generally, beginnings and endings are so significant, aren't they? Not just the beginning and ending of life, but how we begin in communities, how we end in communities, how we begin relationships, how we end them. They're very significant and we do well to pay attention to them. So here we are in the final chapters, uh, the final paragraphs of Exodus. And this, this piece of the story marks a very important transition point for the people of Israel in their wanderings. And it's significant um, transition. So they've been travelling for, for a year since they left Egypt. And they've had moments of incredible faith. They've had moments where they've gone through the Red Sea, the waters have parted and they've walked through the middle. But they've also had moments of incredible doubt. They melted down all their gold and they made it into golden calves and they worshipped that while Moses was up the mountain. Uh, And now we read the, the culmination of a period where they knuckle down. They knuckle down and they start to be obedient to what God has asked them to do. And if you were to read the chapters before this particular piece, you would read God giving them instruction on how to build the tabernacle how to build the Ark of the Covenant and the Tent of Meeting. And it's incredible how detailed those chapters are. Real detail about how big it needs to be, what material it needs to be made out of, etc., etc. The tabernacle, the lampstand, the altar, lots and lots of symbolic things, they built them. It took them about six months to build this. And um, I found a picture, Brian, if you could pop the picture on the screen. Here's a picture of a life-size version of the, uh, the tabernacle that was built in a, it's in a national park in Israel. So this is what they built. The tabernacle is the tent. And in front of it you see um, something. I think that's the, I'm not sure what that is. And then in front of that is the altar. And then around it is the boundary. There's a couple more pictures which are more like artistic impressions of it. So just if you can flick through them, Brian, that would be lovely. So this is what the Israelites made together at the very detailed instructions of God. This one's more of an artist's impression. But you can see how it might have been, this enormous creation that was the centre of their community, was the centre of their encampment in the desert. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. So this is what they made. And as they construct it, there's a repeated phrase in in the chapters before this, which says, Moses did as the Lord commanded. And it runs like a chorus through these chapters. So the emphasis is on obedience. The people of Israel heard these crazy detailed instructions and they did it. They built this together. So they built this. At the very centre was the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark were the stone tablets which had the law. And uh, this was the heart of the relationship with God. Uh, The Ark was in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was surrounded by the altar, the lampstand, all these other symbolic elements. They not only created the structure, they also built and made, not built, they made the priestly garments that the priests were going to wear when they were in it. So they've toiled for six months, they've obeyed every detail and they've built this amazing structure. 
And then, on the year to the day that they leave Israel, God asks Moses to anoint it with oil. And as we read in our passage, the glory of God comes. The glory arrives in the tent of meeting. It's visible, it's manifest, it's powerful, and it's right there with them. The word tabernacle means dwelling place. God has come to live with them. And from this point forwards, his presence is permanently with the Israelites, either in the fire or in the cloud in the tabernacle. And it begins a new season of their time in the wilderness, where God is dwelling with them and they're traveling. They're traveling and following him to the promised land. And that traveling and that following comes in the next book of the Bible, which is Numbers. So this is a season where we understand the Israelites more as pilgrims. They're following God who is on the move. Interesting what Marion was saying earlier about God being a fast God. Their God was on the move. Every time the glory of God leaves the tabernacle, they pack up their camp and they move. They follow him. Their eyes are daily on the cloud or the fire. And I love to think about what their morning routine might have been. They wake up, look outside the tent, and the question is, where's the glory of God today? Is it a day for moving? Is it a day for staying? What an incredible question. Where's the glory of God today for us to follow? So from here, the Israelites, whose identity is now a people of pilgrimage, a people who are following their God, they're not stopping and building settlements and putting big roots down. They're packing and moving. Some days they may not move far. Some days they may move very far. But this is the season they enter into. And our passage in Exodus is that critical moment of, of launching into this new time. So as I mentioned, it seems to me there are several really timeless truths that run through this for us. And let's talk about those. I've got four of them, so that you know uh, how many to expect. The first one is about the obedience of Moses and the Israelites. What must they have been thinking when they heard these instructions of what they needed to build? I mean, what must they have been thinking? They're in the desert, uh, and they managed to construct this. What a labor. But they did it. They listened to God And together, they grouped around and they made this incredible thing. There's no way they could have done this without doing this together. They did something as a community that they couldn't have done on their own. And so, obviously, is true for us as well. Our work isn't to build a physical tent, but our work is to build a community. And there's certainly something that we can all do that's beyond any of us as individuals. Marion was talking before about our heart for community, for welcome, for hospitality and for connection. These are the things that I think God is speaking to us for us to build. My sense of where we are is building a community of love and of loving welcome. My experience of this church, and I'm sure I've said it before, is of being a very welcoming church. And I think that's what we are to do. If we listen, God will share his heart and we can build it together, even if the instructions might seem quite complicated. They might not for us, but they did for the Israelites. Secondly, this is undoubtedly a story about the glory of God. What an incredible moment to have witnessed the fire coming down. That must have been awe-inspiring. 
they weren't, um, it wasn't unfamiliar for them to see cloud or fire. They had been led by the pillar of cloud and fire before. But this was different. The glory of God came down and stayed in the tabernacle with a presence that was undeniably God, powerfully God. And Liz read for us loads of references earlier which were really helpful about the glory of God. And the question I was asking myself is, what, you know, what do we mean by the phrase, the glory of God? It's very familiar. It seems to me that the glory of God is the manifest presence of God in the world. In Isaiah we read, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His whole earth is full of his glory. And in Psalm 19 we read that the heavens are telling the glory of God. Somehow the glory is that which is around us, which helps us to see the goodness, the holiness, the power and the love of God. And I think an encounter with God's glory puts us in perspective, not in a way that diminishes us or makes us critical of ourselves, but helps us put ourselves in perspective relation, with relation to, to he who made us. We understand our place if we encounter the glory of God. I certainly know that is the case for me when I'm in nature. I understand my place in a different way. So we've heard about the glory of God already. Moses did ask God if he could see his glory and God tucked him into a rock formation and passed by. And here, the glory of God is so powerful that that Moses can't even go into the dwelling place. He can't even go um, face to face there. So the question for us is how I think, how could we seek more of this? How could we have eyes to see the glory of God in our world today. I think, for me and maybe for others of us, it requires looking up from the things that absorb us every day and having, um, having a little bit of spaciousness to wonder and to ask ourselves the question, where is the glory of God for me today? Where's the glory of God for us to follow today? Third and fourth are a bit shorter, you'll be pleased to hear. So thirdly, this story is about the presence of God. God makes his dwelling among the Israelites. He was there with them every single day. When we live with people, we know them well, don't we? We know the ins and outs of their lives, of their habits, of the way they are. I used to know, by the way, my flatmate shut the front door, what kind of day she'd had when she came home. Um, God is dwelling with them. And um, here in Exodus, God is dwelling in the tabernacle. As we move through the Bible, that progresses. And when Solomon builds the temple, and the Ark of the Covenant is brought from the tabernacle into the temple, God dwells in the temple. And then it moves on. And in the New Testament, in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, we read, our bodies are the temple of God, and his spirit dwells in us. So we see the journey of God's presence with us through the tabernacle, the temple, and our own bodies being the dwelling place of God and his spirit. He lives with us and alongside us. What an amazing companion for us. Finally, this is a story about God who's on the move. When the cloud or the fire moved, the Israelites broke camp and they followed. They took their lead from him and his movement not their own ideas and their own plans. And speaking as someone who is somewhat of a planner, of those of you who know me well, that is quite a challenging truth. They followed the move of God. To be a follower of God means to wake up in the morning, to look outside the tent and to ask, where is God for us to follow today? Is it a day for staying or for leaving? 
It seems to me this is about us building the capacity to be responsive to the quiet nudging of his spirit, to the opportunities that help us lead a life characterised by faith in him. It would be amiss not to mention the fact that the Israelites were moving towards something. They were moving towards the promised land. And so also we're travelling together and we're moving towards something. We do have a hope for a place of the soul that we can call home. And we're on the way there together. The wilderness isn't a particularly comfortable place to be. Not many of us would choose to linger there. But we can take heart. It's not the ultimate destination. We're travelling together to a place we can call home. Perhaps we can learn from the Israelites to travel light and to be ready to move and follow. And I love what, I didn't know what Marianne was going to say, but I love what she, was going to, what she said about God being a God who is fast and moving. You know, that is very much um, what I was thinking as I was reflecting on this. But we're, we're not in a, in a kind of whirlwind of movement. We're travelling with God. He's with us in this moment. So I found it really refreshing to go back to this quite familiar story and look at it again. And I'm hoping that maybe something in here touches you uh, that you can reflect on. There are four different things that struck me. Maybe one of them will sit with you this week. I'll just remind you of them. So the first one is, what can we build together if we're obedient and listen to God? The second one is the wonder of his glory. Where is God today? Where is God's glory today that we might follow him? What's our morning ritual to to bring that question to life? The third one, that he dwells with us. He's our constant companion. And the fourth one, that we're traveling. We're we're traveling together, following our God. I hope there's something that you can carry with you and ponder from here. Maybe as simple as that question. Where's the glory of God today that we can follow? Amen. Thank you, Caroline.